everybody. Um, yeah, we look forward uh, to whenever the Lord allows, praying over you and sending you out. Uh, we will miss you, but we're excited about what the Lord's going to do. Uh, and so I wanted you to, to really hear that, just to put, you know, um, some real life kind of situations on the things we're going to look at and discuss today from the scriptures to help you see uh, how what we're learning from Acts, and it happens all the time now as well, in terms of the Spirit leading, appointing, calling us out, and how he does so primarily in context of worship, prayer, and fasting, that as we meet with the Lord and prioritize him, it's in that very place that the Lord meets with us and moves us to mission and puts appointments on our life. And so I want to always connect what God does in this room and what God does as we gather to worship with what God does through us and in us throughout the world. These things go hand in hand. And so uh, this one's called Worship Fuels Mission. What's the title of the message today? Now, how many of you have ever run out of gas? Don't be ashamed. Come on. Don't lie. You're in church, okay? All right? And you run out of gas, all right? I, I usually pride myself in not doing things like this, okay? You know, I don't lose my keys. I don't, you know, all this stuff. I pride myself, okay? I'm not going to make mistakes like that. Well, uh, you know what happens. Pride comes before the fall, right? And so uh, a little while ago, a few years ago, I had, was driving into my neighborhood, and, you know, I don't make mistakes like this. So I was looking, and then all of a sudden my car just, you know, turns off and everything's dead. And I'm like, what in the world? This doesn't make any sense. And then I look at the, the thing, the gas meter thing, whatever that's called, and uh, it's way below the red line, you know? Like, and I live at the red line. My wife can testify. She does too, though. She does too. We live, we live at the red line. We like to live by faith, okay? So this is one way, one way we can do this, all right? And so I know some of y'all fill up halfway. You're like, I don't ever even get close. I don't understand you, but I just wait till the last minute. So I live to the red line. Usually I work out just fine. Well, I had gotten into my neighborhood at least, but my car had completely shut off, and I realized I had done what I never thought I would do, and I had completely run out of gas, and my car didn't work. And so I had to walk up to my house, thank the Lord by his grace and providence, even in my mistake and pride. I was close to the house. I had a little five-gallon tank I used for my, my mower, you know, and I was able to go put gas back in my car and move on. Now, the point is this, is that cars cannot move forward without gas, and Christians cannot move forward without worship. That car was working just fine. It looked good. The engine was good. It was built good. Everything about the car worked, except it didn't have the fuel it needed to move. And how true could this be of us that everything about your life looks good and your hair looks good and your suit looks good and your life looks good and everything looks nice, everything about it, but the thing you're missing is the fuel to actually move forward. You go to church, you do all the things you're supposed to do and you look great, but you ain't moving nowhere. And this is what I want you to see this morning and how important this is for us is that worship, a heart of worship, the practice of worship, singing, praying, teaching the Bible, these things both together as a body of Christ and together in your lighthouse throughout the week and together with your friends and together uh, wherever and then even in your own time with the Lord, this is the fuel for the mission. And we simply will not accomplish what God wants us to accomplish if we don't become who God wants us to become. And so I want to connect the mission of City Light, that our passion is to shine the light of Christ in dark and hard places to bring real hope and help to all people. We believe this, we do this, I think we try to live this out. But I want to connect that desire, and I think that many of us have, to make a difference 
with the need to be a people of worship. And some of us naturally bend and are bent towards making a difference and making an impact. And I want to connect you to the fact that you need to become a worshiper in spirit and in truth. And I also want to connect those of you who love to come worship that you need to be a doer of the word. And that these things go hand in hand. Worship fuels mission. And the more we become the kind of people God wants us to become, the more we will be able to do the kind of things God wants us to do. I feel like over these last few weeks, as we've been learning what the Bible says about worship, a simple way to describe it is to give God what he asked for. That's been fairly new to me as well, to think about it that way. But it seems time and time again, as we look at the scriptures, God has ordered something, and we need to give him what he asked for. We need to give him what he asked for when we gather, when we sing, when we pray, when we teach the Bible. We need to give him what he asked for when we go throughout the world and make disciples for his name. And so these things go hand in heaven. And I want to I connect you with what happens in here to what happens out there. And so part of this whole series has been to broaden our perspective, right? So Hebrews 12, when you gather to worship, you're also gathering with innumerable angels, you know? You're also gathering. It's like, it's like you have this picture of heaven. You're gathering to God the Father, to Jesus, to the blood of Jesus, to innumerable angels, to saints, right? So it broadens your perspective to say this moment is significant because it's connected to something even greater happening in heaven and to the body of believers worshiping throughout the world. Also, then, this moment right here in this location at this hour is significant not only because it's connected to heaven, but because it's connected to bringing heaven down on earth. And because it's connected to what God wants to do throughout the week in your life and through the things we do as a church and through the things you do with your friends and family to try to make a difference in the world around us. And so therefore, for us to get better at serving the world around us, we have to get better at worshiping the God that we love. We have to grow in our understanding of what does it mean to bring him proper worship. We don't want to make the same mistakes that Saul made in the Old Testament Saul where he brings God something he didn't ask for. And so, therefore, worship fuels mission. Let's look at Acts. So go ahead and open your Bible to Acts chapter 13. Let's go. Let's go. This is the word of God. Verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was also called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews and they had John to assist them. We'll stop right there. So worship fuels mission. We will not accomplish the mission unless we become a people of worship. We simply cannot separate these two things. What I first want to show you from the passage is just the flow of how this is working itself out. So it starts with this word, while they were praying and fasting. So a group of prophets and teachers, basically a group of Christians had gathered together, and they were, they were praying, they were fasting, and they were worshiping the Lord. Paraphrase. In this context now... Take, that's the environment. The Holy Spirit, the next thing it says, the Holy Spirit speaks to them. So the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So in the context of worship, they received a word from the Holy Spirit. As they worshiped Jesus, 
they received a word from the Holy Spirit. Now, biblically, this is how this works. John 16, the Holy Spirit's main desire is to bear witness to the Son. So when a group of people join the Holy Spirit in his main desire, which is to love and bear witness to Jesus, then you put yourself and position yourself in the pathway for the work of the Holy Spirit because you have joined with his favorite thing to do. And so they came together and they ministered and worshiped Jesus. And in the context of a worship to Jesus, they received a word from the Holy Spirit. Then, after receiving this word from the Holy Spirit, they sought to confirm the word through prayer and fasting. So in prayer and fasting, they received the revelation, the word. And then in prayer and fasting, they received the confirmation, what to do. Obviously, this aspect of worship was essential to knowing what God wanted to do and then to confirming what God wanted to do so they could go live this out. After they received the confirmation from the Holy Spirit, which seemed to come through the unity and agreement amongst one another, they laid their hands on them, sent them off. After they are sent off, they are called sent out by the Holy Spirit. When they get to where they are going, the first thing they do, verse 5, is proclaim the word of God. So listen to how this works itself out. The proclamation of the word of God in Cyprus started with a word from God in Antioch. The work that happened in Cyprus started with worship in Antioch. Do you see how this, the worship set and the worship environment and the group of people coming to pray in Antioch was the starting point, the catalyst for the work that happens in Cyprus. So the question, how do these people in Cyprus get the opportunity to hear the gospel? Well, when the people in Antioch gather to worship. Therefore, there's this huge connection between the word of God going forth into the world and a group of people gathering around the word of God together in a particular location. The proclamation of the word of God in Cyprus started with a word from God in Antioch. The work of the gospel in Cyprus started with the worship of Jesus in Antioch. Then so much more is it true for us today that there is some important work in the world that God has for us to do, but it's going to start here with worship in Falls Church. Broaden your perspective. What is happening when we gather together is that the Lord is calling out, hearing prayers, appointing people to service, doing a million things you cannot see or understand, all for the sake of taking the gospel to other places. And may it be so, and may the testimony of City Light be that when a group of people gathered to worship, in Falls Church, some crazy supernatural work of the Lord happened in India. Let's broaden our perspective. Let's show up every Sunday thinking this is the most significant thing I could ever do. And if I care about taking the gospel to the nations, then I will care about worshiping the Lord with zeal in Falls Church. Because the proclamation of the word in Cyprus started with a word from Antioch. And the proclamation of the word throughout the world, in many ways, according to what God wants us to do as a church, is going to start with worship here, 2929 Falls Church. So since that is true, and since that is a way the Lord works, what are some things we need to follow through with so that we can see this happen? Here's number one. Our first ministry is to the Lord. We have to remember, as we pursue a mission to the world, 
that the mission to the world starts with ministry to the Lord. Our first ministry is to the Lord. The mission to the world starts with ministry to the Lord. Some of you may have different versions. I'm reading the ESV and the translation of verse 2 is while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. Uh, the NKJV, NASB, KJV, there's a few others. They'll, they'll describe this word. They'll translate it ministering instead of worshiping. So while they were ministering unto the Lord, and I think that gives us, because you're used to the word worship, maybe not as much to the word minister and to the Lord, the idea and the truth here that they came with the desire to bless the Lord. And this is what I tell the team here all the time, is that we cannot minister to them until we have ministered to him. This is very important because we get this backwards. When we gather, especially even as leadership, the goal is not first to minister to you. I did not show up here to minister to you. The team did not show up here to sing to you. We showed up here to minister to God. And in the process of doing ministry to God, God does ministry to us. You see, now this is why it is so important for you to maintain the right perspective. Remember, worship isn't about your preference, and it's not about what's acceptable to you. And so when we walk into a gathering, myself included, none of this is about any of us. You see what I'm saying? It's not about what you like and don't like. It's not about your preference. That's not where this thing starts. And that's where churches begin to divide. But you know what keeps a church unified? When everybody gathers to worship Jesus. That's the only thing that matters. We could do it without a band. We could do it without a sermon. We could gather together around the word of God and worship and pray. And we do that all the time in places like Restore when we come just to sing and to worship. Our first ministry is unto the Lord. This is true in your whole life. You will not minister well to your wife unless you minister well to Jesus. You will not minister well to your friends unless you minister well to Jesus. You cannot bless your friends if you're not always blessing his name. It starts, the mission in the world starts with ministry to the Lord. And that's when you go back to, man, the Lord, that's why Revelation says, man, come return to your first love. And may we be a people of first love to the Lord. So they were ministering unto the Lord. Their hearts were set on God. They were praising him, loving him. They were consumed with who he is. They wanted his presence with them. They wanted to give him honor. They wanted to bless his name. And in the context of ministry unto the Lord, it created an environment that was conducive to the work of the Spirit. And you guys know by experience, and many of you know as leaders, that the environment is what creates the expectation. So the environment of the room or the environment of the location or the environment of the business is what creates the expectation for what happens in there. It's the big picture that creates the little details in the room. Everything conforms to the environment. And this is true in your life. Imagine this. Uh, an office, right, should be conducive for work unless it's at home and you have kids and then you know. It's not. It's not. An office should be conducive for work. A dining room should be conducive for eating. A living room should be conducive for hanging out with people. The Pentagon is conducive for high security, and McDonald's is conducive for high cholesterol. Okay, this, the environment, creates the expectation. 
Wherever it is that you go, the environment there creates the expectation for what should I expect to happen in this room? What should I expect to happen in this business? What should I expect to happen in this interaction? What should I expect to happen? And that's true for churches and it's true for who we are is that we are creating an environment and that environment is creating expectations for how we behave. Some would call it culture, but this is what I want you to consider is how are you contributing to the environment we are creating? This is once again why as we talk about worship, your role matters so much because we are all working together to create an environment that is conducive to the work of the Holy Spirit. And you coming ready and willing and and repentant and honest with a heart that loves Jesus is going to help us create an environment where the Holy Spirit says, yes, I want to say something to those people. Yes, I can give those people an assignment. This is something we all choose to do together or not do together. And hear me, the way you're living Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday is either quenching the Holy Spirit here on Sunday or fueling what the Spirit wants to do on Sunday. You matter, your life matters, the way you come matter, everything about that matters. We are in this thing together, and I mean that with all that I have. Therefore, if we want to create an environment that's conducive to the work of the Holy Spirit, then we must be a people who walk in the Holy Spirit. How could we expect something supernatural to happen here when we don't live supernatural every other day? That wouldn't make any sense. And so now... Once again, remember, this isn't a, oh, you're doing it wrong. This is an opportunity. I'm inviting you into something to say, man, do you want to see the Lord break through with power and might? Then come ready. Come ready for the work of the Holy Spirit. We are all collectively working together to create an environment that either says, come, Lord, or no thanks. It either says, yes, Lord, or maybe, you know. And a lot of what the Lord wants to do, he's going to do regardless, but he might just pass over you. You see, you're not going to stop God from doing what God wants to do, but you could have been a part of it. And what a blessing it is to be a part of the work of God. No greater thrill in life. And so that's what I'm inviting you into. Our first ministry is to the Lord. So as we minister to God, he will minister through us. That's something for you to write down and just remember. So with their eyes fixed on Jesus now, the Holy Spirit speaks to them. It says, the Holy Spirit said. Now, we have no idea what that really means. We don't know if it's an audible voice. We don't know if it's an impression upon the heart. We don't know if it's just a general agreement, some sort of, we don't know if somebody had a vision, a prophetic, we don't know. We don't know what happened, but we know that there was agreement upon it, and we know that it was clear to each one of them. And I want to give you some realities as to why I think they knew that. The first thing is that when the Holy Spirit spoke, he revealed something according to what he had already revealed. And so they called Paul to go take the gospel to the nations, and God had already done that in Acts 9. This wasn't new news to Paul. This was something God had already revealed. He had also done so using Barnabas in Acts 11. And so these two particular men, it seemed that God had already set aside and appointed to lead the cause in taking the gospel to the Gentiles. So when the Holy Spirit spoke, however he decided to do that, it was so clear because it was according to something that had already been revealed. How important this is for us to say we, we assess the work of the Holy Spirit or we, we understand it according to the clear things God has already revealed. 
And so if I want to walk by the Spirit, I have to walk in the Word. I can't do it. And if you're not walking in the Word, you're going to quench the work of the Spirit. Or you're going to misunderstand it. And you're going to leave the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit on the side of the table. So we know, what, we know that it was confirmed because it was revealed, oh, it was already revealed. Secondly, it was also in line with God's already revealed heart. So he had already said in Matthew 28, go into all the nations and make disciples. He had already said in Acts 1-8, same thing, go into all the nations and make disciples. It was already the clear desire of his heart. And also, if you understand the Old Testament, this is how things are working the whole way, to say eventually the gospel will go to the Gentiles and the nations. This is clear throughout the scriptures, and it's particularly clear in the commands of Jesus. And so now they're simply following through on what Jesus Jesus already said to do. You see? And so it wasn't like, well, does God want me to do that? Did the Holy Spirit say that? You know what? The devil's never going to tell you, tell you to take the gospel to the nations, all right? That's never going to happen. The devil's not going to tell you to share the gospel with your friend. So if you feel the prompting, that's from God. You know? The devil's not going to tell you to read your Bible. The devil's not going to tell you to call, a, call somebody up who might be in need. The devil's not going to tell you to be, be kind and considerate. And consider, the devil's not going to tell you to get out of your car and stop and sit down with that homeless person who probably nobody ever talks to. He's not going to do that. So if you sense a leading and a prompting from the Holy Spirit, you can simply obey it when it's in accordance to what God has already revealed as his heart. How freeing this is. I don't have to wonder. If it's according to what God has already revealed, then go, you know. And so if we minister to him, this is the first point, he will minister to us. Our first ministry is to the Lord. Remember, this is all about Jesus. So if our mission to others is about the good news of the gospel, it would do us well to rejoice and to worship and to love the good news of the gospel. If we want to care about people, we got to love Jesus. If we want to pursue God's call, we have to know God's heart. And so when we remember the life, death, and resurrection as forgiveness of sins and the power of salvation, and that's the message we are taking to the world, it will feel very small to us unless it's the message that we rejoice in today. And your desire and motivation to take this message to the world will probably be to the degree that you enjoy it for yourself. So we come here and we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for my forgiveness. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. We fix all our attention on him. And then through ministry to the Lord, he does ministry through us. And since mission is about Jesus, we would do well to make our services about Jesus. And these things will go hand in hand. Okay, number two, we must prioritize corporate prayer and fasting. So the first one, we, our first ministry is to the Lord. The second thing to follow through with is we must prioritize corporate prayer and fasting. Like we just talked about with environments. Uh, fa- a prayer, uh, an environment of prayer and fasting is setting the expectation for the supernatural work of God. Because it's nothing that you're doing <laughs> other than praying, which is a significant thing to do. The environment of prayer and fasting sets the expectation for the supernatural work of God. Let me uh, read this little bit of a commentary I read this weekend. It says, as throughout Acts, God took the initiative in every new development of the Christian witness. However, the church did its part. It fasted and prayed, seeking the divine leading in a mode of expectant devotion. So obviously God is in charge. Obviously God's doing what God wants to do. Obviously God is taking the initiative and leading the way. But that doesn't mean we are not responsible to ready ourselves to receive and to participate in what God is doing. And the way a church 
participates and makes itself ready for the work of God is through prayer and fasting, particularly corporate prayer and fasting when we do this together, which is why things like the 21 days and immerse are so important, which is why restore Thursday nights and Tuesday morning as we come to seek the Lord are so important, which is why we have scheduled it into the rhythms of our church and why we talk about it all the time, that we are cultivating an environment of prayer and fasting so that we can expect the supernatural work of God. And we must give ourselves to this together. You must want this with us. You must pursue this in your lighthouse and when nobody's watching with your family. We're cultivating this together all throughout, all throughout our week and throughout our time here. Here's something for you to write down is that prayer and fasting is the soil for the seed of the divine call and empowerment to live it out. I want you to consider this. Prayer and fasting is the soil for the seed of the divine call and the empowerment to live it out. And so God has assignments and things he's going to accomplish in the world with or without you, with or without city light. So he's got these seeds of assignments and uh, in, in a metaphorical way, he's like roaming the earth looking for good soil to place the seed of his call. And he's looking for a group of people who are ready to receive the work of God. And he's not looking for a talented group of people. He's not looking for a, a smart group of people. He's not looking for a well-resourced group of people. He's not looking for a skilled group of people. He's not looking for any of those things. He's looking for a group of people who are ready because they pray. So what's going to make us effective as a church that we would receive the divine favor and supernatural empowerment of God to do things that only God can do is that we are a people who pray. Who pray and fast and who do so first as a ministry unto the Lord. We must give ourselves to this. The 21 days must be a lifestyle. This is the seed for the divine call, just like Maddie's testimony shared. It was in the context of worship with other believers that the Lord clarified and confirmed the call on her life. And I could give you testimony after testimony after testimony of how this works itself out, how this happens at Restore, how this happens Sunday mornings, how this happens in lighthouses, how this happens in all sorts of situations where believers have gathered together to worship and fix their eyes on Jesus. Then God sees good soil and he gives an assignment. This is very important. Therefore, we must prioritize corporate prayer and fasting. The third thing is don't outthink obedience. So our first ministry is to the Lord. Second thing, we must prioritize corporate prayer and fasting. The third thing is don't outthink obedience. So it says, they, they, the Spirit says set apart, and then it says they fasted and prayed, and then they waited a little while. No, they fasted and prayed, and then they set up a meeting to discuss. They fasted and they prayed, and then they set up a meeting to go with the meeting to set up another meeting to discuss. They fasted and prayed, and they pulled out a whiteboard and thought, listen, how we're, they fast, no, 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 no. They fasted and prayed, and they sent them out. How many times, especially those of you who are trying to walk with God, do we outthink obedience? The Lord says, I want you to stop and talk to this person, and we say, where am I going to park the car? I have an appointment to be to in 20 minutes. Don't you know that, Lord? The Lord says, I want you to be generous and give to this. And you say, Lord, you know how much money is in my bank account. 
And then we just go back and forth, you know? We just talk, we talk, and we think, well, there's just no possible way the Lord would ask me to do that, da-da-da-da. And we talk, and we talk, and we talk, and we talk, and talk, and we talk so much, we have quenched the Spirit. And the Lord passed over you and chose someone else to do it. Don't outthink obedience. Don't outthink obedience. So they laid their hands on them, and they sent them out. Something for you to consider is this, that when we have confirmation, we must act without hesitation. When we have confirmation, we must act without hesitation. And remember, if it's according to something God has already revealed through the word of God, it's according to something that's clear about God's heart for people and for the world, then you pretty much have confirmation. Now, here's a big part of this, though, and why, once again, I'm going to ask you to get totally involved in what God is doing here. Because the reason why you have so much hesitation is because you're living in isolation, and you need the confirmation of the entire congregation. You see The reason why you hesitate, the reason why you hear the voice of the Lord leading and guiding and prompting your spirit, the reason why there's a conviction on your heart but you don't act in faith is because you have received a call but you've received it in isolation instead of getting the confirmation that comes from a congregation. Paul and Barnabas weren't sitting in a room by themselves thinking, what does the Lord want us to do? And then thinking, well, that must be it. Good luck. No, they were gathered together, and the unity and agreement gave the power to go do it. And you, listen to me, you are leaving the benefit of confirmation from the Holy Spirit on the table when you are not getting involved in community. You are left to yourself to discern whether the Lord wants you to do this or that when all you needed was a congregation to come around you and give you some confirmation. This was so true of me when I, when I thought the Lord was leading to start a church. Something I had considered, obviously, for a while, but I was enjoying the work that I was doing, and it became very, like, heavy on my heart. That, like, okay, now's the time you need to start, like, looking into this. You need to start considering this, like, for real in your life. You need to make a decision. And then I could either look, I could sit with that and think, well, Lord, I'm, 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 I don't know. And that would create a ton of hesitation. So what I, I went around and I just asked. And I asked the leaders of the church I was at. I asked people around me that knew me. And by the faithfulness of God, it created some confirmation. And because I had confirmation and the support of a congregation, man, I had the power. I did not act with hesitation. But it wasn't because I felt strong about it. It was because there was an agreement amongst the body. And so because I was in community, it allowed me to act in obedience to God. This is so important for you. And so if you're sitting on the sidelines, I'm not mad at you. I am pleading with you that you would get involved in what God is doing for your own sake, for your own benefit, so that you could lead the life God is calling you to live, so that you could be obedient to him, so that you could experience the work of the Holy Spirit. So don't leave that on the table, please. Don't outthink obedience. When we have confirmation, we must act without hesitation. So look in verse 4. It says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit. So verse 3 says that they sent them out, but the commentary on verse 3 and verse 4 is that the Holy Spirit sent them out. And so this is helpful to us as we consider affirming things in the congregation. We say, we see this in Maddie. It's a good example to say, the Lord's leading her to go do this, and everybody that knows her is like, yep, that makes a ton of sense. Nobody's like, well, I don't know. You're not very nice to people. You probably shouldn't do that. You know, nobody, you know, 
But they're saying, yeah, I see it. I see it this way. 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 And all this confirmation creates a yes and amen in her spirit, and it leads her in obedience. And when we lay hands on her and send her out, it will not be us that sent her because we thought it was a good idea. It would be the Holy Spirit that sent her because he knows what he's going to do with her life. This is what it looks like when we physically lay hands and confirm people's callings as we are participating in the confirmation of the Holy Spirit. This makes it supernatural. Here's something for you to remember. If the Spirit sends you, he will support you. They go in the power of the Holy Spirit. They proclaim the word of God. And then the rest of Acts is this crazy Holy Spirit story of how he's doing signs and wonders to confirm the message. And this is what we see is that if the Spirit is the one who sent you, then the Spirit will go to support you which is why we need the confirmation of the congregation. So the work in Cyprus started with work in Antioch. The proclamation of the word in Cyprus started with the word from the Holy Spirit in Antioch, and the Lord still works this way today. Worship fuels mission. We've seen this already play out in so many ways, that the work in D.C. was revitalized and started in a new way with a group of people that were worshiping in false church. A work in India, Africa, Philippines has been spurred on, Mexico, because of a group of people who decide to worship in false church. The Lord is using this time together to spur on the work in so many other places. This is, therefore, significant. And you participating in creating an environment that's conducive to the Holy Spirit will in large part be the ceiling on what God wants to do with this church which is why your role and what we are doing here is utterly, utterly significant. And prayerfully, the Lord will have work in Annandale and Seven Corners and all throughout Nova in many languages and amongst many peoples that he's going to do because a group of people gathered in worship to Jesus in false church. This is how it works. This is how the scripture plays it out. Let me give you one more example as we close. Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. There's so much about this. And so I'm just giving you one tiny perspective on the passage. But here's what happens. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. With two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar, and he touched my mouth, and he said, behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, your sin is atoned for and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. What started as a revelation of God turned into the mission for God. What started with holy, holy, holy turned into here I am, send me. And this is how worship fuels mission, that as we gather to honor and love God, we receive the divine appointment to go live according to what he wants us to do. As we gather to worship Jesus, it's like this how it works. I gather and I say, well, Jesus loves me. And I think about that and I worship him and I say, well, I love you too. And then that empowers me to go out into the world and say, well, Jesus loves you. 
right? Jesus loves me. Thank you, Jesus. I'm such a mess. I love you too, Jesus. Thank you. And then I'm motivated, and I go into the world, and I'm just full of the love of Jesus. And I, I send that to the world. I say, well, Jesus loves you too. Jesus loves me. Thank you, Jesus. I love you too. I go into the world. Jesus loves you too. Jesus loves me. Thank you, Jesus. I love you too. I go into the world. I think Jesus loves you too. And as I encounter God and become filled with who he is, that overflows, and then all fear is taken away. And so God then says, go and sell all that you have. God then says, go into this dark place. And I say, here I am, send me. And my prayer is that City Light would be a here I am, send me group of people. And that it would be fueled because we give God what he asked for in worship. May this be true of us. And may the Lord supernaturally work in and through us as we minister to him, as we prioritize prayer and fasting, and as we don't outthink obedience. Let me pray for us. Let's respond to the Lord. I want you to go ahead and stand up. I want you to go ahead and stand up, and I want you to consider now the calling of the Lord on your life. And if there's a divine appointment you have been resisting or if something has been prompted in your heart today, I want you to close your eyes, and I just want you to consider from the Lord. The Lord is saying, whom shall I send? And maybe there's a coworker, a friend, a situation, a place, a people, something the Lord prompts on your heart or more than likely has prompted, and you have yet to do so. And I want you to tell the Lord in all earnest, say, here I am, send me. Just go ahead and put a yes on the table. Put a yes in your heart. Father, we want you to look upon city light as good soil for the seeds of your calling. We want you to appoint us to hard things. We are willing to go to dark places. We say, Lord, that we love you more than life itself. And so would you create in us a heart that is ready to receive and respond to your appointment. And may our worship together be the very thing that fuels the mission that you've given us. So today, Lord, in response to the gospel and your love for us, we say back to you, here I am, send me. And we say this in Jesus' name, amen.